Going to the theater can be a magical experience, whether you're a child at your first show or a bitter and cynical adult. There's a tremendous amount of work by dozens and sometimes even hundreds of people that has to happen long before the curtain rises. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to some of the legions of professional theater nerds who help make these productions a reality, starting with the Lyric Opera of Chicago's production of Macbeth in September of 2021. If you've never actually been there, the Civic Opera Building in Chicago is a highlight on just about every architectural tour you're going to go on when you visit the city. It's just a couple blocks away from the really tall building formerly known as the Sears Tower, and it's actually pretty easy to spot in its own right. See, when you view it from the Chicago River, the building actually looks like a giant chair. That was an intentional move by architect Samuel Insull when the building was constructed back in 1929. Yeah, it seems like every time a large building for public use is open, there's a chorus of people who just absolutely hate it and declare it an eyesore. I have a hard time imagining that happening with this place. As a matter of fact, it was actually the inspiration for the opera house featured in Orson Welles' film Citizen Kane. That's the scene responsible for the dramatic clapping gif you've probably seen on social media. The building's been pretty empty for a while now, thanks to the COVID pandemic. The normal off-season runs about three months or so, but when I arrived at the Civic Opera Building for the first in a series of interviews for this podcast on June 29th of 2021, it had been well over a year since the Lyric Opera had been able to play in front of an audience in their home ballpark. The production of Macbeth was supposed to change that, assuming, of course, COVID remained under control. In the last few days, we've announced that that we will restore normal running times, normal intermissions to performances from the time that that we reopened. So the landscape continues to change, but happily, it now seems to be changing consistently in a positive direction. I'm Keith Conrad, and this is Bringing Up the Lights, a podcast where I'll be giving you a look behind the curtain at the people involved in creating some of the biggest stage productions in the United States. This season, I'll be following along with the Lyric Opera of Chicago as they prepare their production of Verdi's opera Macbeth in September of 2021. We'll be meeting people involved in all aspects of the production, from casting to creating costumes and even some of the performers themselves. They'll explain the path that led them to their current roles and the part they play in putting together a performance for the Lyric Opera of Chicago. Of course, the story of this particular production has to start by addressing the elephant in the room for the past, oh, close to two years or so, the COVID pandemic. The pandemic has disrupted so many lives all over the world and cost the lives of more than 640,000 people in the United States alone. Most people have spent the past year and a half spinning their wheels, waiting for some news the world would be returning to normal, and the Lyric Opera of Chicago was no different. Back in March of 2020, Anthony Freud, the general director for the Lyric Opera of Chicago, had the unenviable task of making decisions that would have implications on projects that were years in the making. So two dates stick in my mind that I will never forget as long as I live. One is March 13th of 2020, um, which is when um, we announced the cancellation of The Ring. Um, Lyric had been planning and um, progressively uh, producing a new production of Wagner's Ring. It's the largest undertaking any opera company could could contemplate. Um, it was a 10-year planning cycle. Um, it, it was going to be a four-year 
evolution we got to year four um and in 2020 we were going to do a new production of Götterdämmerung, the twilight of the gods which was the last of the four ring operas um followed by three complete ring cycles and on friday march 13th uh, i gathered together the company on stage the the cast members of the orchestra members of the chorus technical staff production team and i said we've come to the conclusion that we have no option given the state of the pandemic, given what is going on in the, the city around us and the world around us, we have no option but to cancel the ring. And we were two thirds of the way through rehearsal. Um, three of the four operas we'd already performed, thankfully with hindsight, because we didn't, in the end, um, uh, uh, we, we were not in the end unable to perform any of it, but the final opera and the three complete cycles we, we lost. and. On March 13th, I thought, well, it, this is as bad as it's going to get. And of course it right. wasn't, um, because we then went on to have to cancel the musical, to have to cancel the whole of our 2020-2021 um, season. And, and the second date that I will remember as long as I live is May the 19th of this year, of 2021, which is when we finally announced that um, we would be returning to the Opera House for our 2021-22 season. Um, and it was the first time in then, I suppose, 14 months that we were announcing that we were going to be resuming live performances rather than announcing that we were having to cancel live performances. When it came to shutting down the opera, that was a decision that was made for Antony in the Lyric Opera. We were in step with what was going on around us. Um, my last time abroad was actually returning from Berlin on March the 9th. Um, mm. of 2020. Um, Enrique Mazzola was conducting some Meyerbeer performances in Berlin at the Deutsche Oper. They turned out to be the last performances of the Deutsche Oper before they closed. Um, our last performances in the Opera House were um, Madama Butterfly on March 7 and 8. Um, but it was the week in which it became clear that um, the world was turning itself upside down. Um, so it was the week, we weren't alone in making cancellation announcements that week. And and it, it was, it, when, I, when I got off the plane at O'Hare coming back from Berlin, I really didn't think that we would be canceling the ring in five days time. Um, but things happened so fast and the seriousness and, and depth of the catastrophe of the pandemic was establishing itself, um, had already established itself in Europe, was establishing self, itself in the US. And um, it became really clear really quickly that we had no choice. Early on in the pandemic, it was easy to think everything would be going back to normal within a few weeks or even a few months. The situation was evolving quickly, and it didn't take long for it to be obvious to everybody that this was going to be a siege rather than just a quick bump in the road. I suppose one of the, the most um, unprecedented elements of, of the whole pandemic period was the speed and the extent to which the landscape around us was changing constantly. Um, so a few weeks after cancelling the ring, it became clear we would have to cancel the musical. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it was clear by 
May or June that we would have to cancel the fall of 2020. Um, we intentionally took things stage by stage, but um, uh, as you rightly say, it, it, it became quickly apparent that this was going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And the other thing that, that was so undermining really for all of us was the true vacuum of uncertainty in which we were all having to operate. We, we really had no sense of, of where the pandemic was going. We had no sense of the pace at which the landscape would change. Mm -hmm. We had no sense of how the public health regulations and guidelines would evolve, would change, would fluctuate. Um, not even a sense of everything moving in one direction. Um, and, and in a way, what, what was so um, invigorating and inspiring about the few weeks that led up to May 19 of this year was a sense finally that there was a light at the end of the tunnel that seemed to be consistently shining and that we were moving finally in one direction. Even after a year and a half and CDC guidelines letting vaccinated people mostly return to normal life, the situation was still constantly changing when Anthony and I talked at the end of June. We are. It's it's still um, the, the second half of June, towards the end of June. We still have yeah. two, three months to go before the season opens. Um, I, I suppose our, our biggest nightmare is that something dramatic and unexpected happens in relation to COVID that that forces us to pivot yet again. Um, the reason we decided to delay the announcement of our season as long as we did, because we would normally announce it in January, was that we wanted to minimize the, the possibility of having to radically change what we were announcing. Mm -hmm. And, and e even in the days leading up to the announcement, the landscape changed. So um, the announcement was midweek. Um, I think the previous Friday, the CDC announced new guidelines so far as wearing masks were concerned. So up to that point, we assumed it would be a no-brainer that we would yeah. need to um, require people to wear masks in the Opera House. All of a sudden, the CDC's announcement shifted that issue. Hmm. Then the, the, the mayor had expressed optimism that by the 4th of July, the city would be able to reopen and, and move into phase five. All of a sudden, June 11 was the date that the city was able to reopen. So uh, our provisions for, for example, reducing the length of the running time of performances in the fall, having no intermissions in the fall, which at the time we made those decisions felt entirely appropriate in order to be able to reassure people don't worry about coming back to the opera house you won't have to mill around with hundreds of people for a half an hour in an intermission it mm -hmm. felt like the right thing to do very quickly it became clear that it was no longer the appropriate thing to do and so in the last few days we've announced that that we will restore normal running times normal intermissions to performances from the time that that we reopened so the landscape continues to change but happily it now seems to be changing consistently in a positive direction. No matter what happens over the weeks remaining before opening night, the Lyric Opera will be ready to put on a performance while also keeping their people and audiences safe. Contingency planning is, is 
part of our lives and has always been part of our lives in that we have understudies for mm -hmm. every role. Uh, and so to a certain extent, um, we create for ourselves safety nets. But the extent to which we have had to learn new skills, the extent to which we've had to reinvent what we had planned, um, it is truly unprecedented, yes. Uh, I mean, none of us have experienced anything like the, the last 16 months. Um, and, and of course, I, I, I'm not limiting that to the microcosm of, of lyric opera. Um, mm -hmm. The pandemic has been a global tragedy and a global catastrophe. It has affected everybody. It's affected every um, individual, every business, um, and those of us who are responsible for, for lyric are, of course, very focused on our own specific corner of the world. But we never forget that, that actually this is a, a global catastrophe. person who had to deal with the normal contingency planning and the mess of COVID at the same time was Andy Melanot. Andy is the Vice President of Artistic Planning at Lyric Opera. We'll get into Andy's background and his role in putting together a production like Macbeth in a later episode, but Andy's experience with COVID was pretty typical. I wasn't exposed to it personally in terms of friends who, who caught COVID early on. Mm -hmm. um, I started to hear about it end of February, early March, like most of us. And while of course it's very serious, I think many of us thought this might be like SARS or a number of outbreaks that have happened in the past few decades, but it didn't necessarily spread to America in a degree, let alone lead to a worldwide pandemic shutdown. Mm -hmm. um, but then things moved very quickly in those first two weeks in March and we had to cancel the wing cycle and shut down the company by middle of March. And uh, I think nobody had any expectation of what happened. That that just never happened. I mean, it's, you know, even through world wars, some, somehow companies continue, the Metropolitan right. Opera still performed during World War II. Uh -huh. um, and yes, the companies in Europe that unfortunately were bombed out had to stop working for a time being. But I think that was sort of the last time there was a closure in, in this way. Um, as many people notice, I mean, even during the 1918 Spanish flu theaters didn't close. Now, unfortunately, I think that probably led to a number of deaths. So yeah. we were a little wiser and more cautious this time. But mm -hmm. it, it did sort of snowball so quickly. And then certainly not knowing how long would it last and uh, at what point would the following season be affected. So it, it was all of a sudden you were moving at a completely different pace. And normally in our business, we often are thinking about casting three or four years in advance. The the nature of the opera industry works on a long horizon and it didn't always used to be that when the company was founded by carol fox often we would have a season in the fall and then a few months later she would start casting for the next autumn but with time theaters made commitments more and more in the future in part to secure key star singers that they wanted to have and the singers were willing to make those commitments and enjoy the security of knowing what would be coming up for a few years ahead of time mm -hmm. and eventually that expanded all the way up to 
about a four or five year time horizon. So the idea of not knowing what's going to happen in the you know five months from now was sort of a very new experience for all of us and uh, a bit of shock. And then just seeing how it evolves and you know first having to cancel not just the wing cycle, but then our chamber opera and our musical for 2020, and then eventually canceling the fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, having to cancel the remainder of the 2021 season and just seeing it work in waves and then trying to calculate how long can we wait before we have to make decisions about 21-22. And fortunately, the vaccines were developed and things improved and now we're looking forward to having a season in the fall. Michael Black is the chorus director for Lyric Opera of Chicago. Michael was overseas as things began to shut down around the world and and he ended up having to figure out how and when he would be able to get back to the United States. Um, We obviously heard about it in in January, but I remember being, I took a week, the season finished, um, we had a week off between rehearsals. made a very quick trip back to Australia to see a, a friend of mine who was very ill at the time. Was just about to jump on a plane to see her. Um, and the, the news, it hit the news that Tom Hanks had COVID and had contracted it in Australia. Oh, that's right. That was, yeah. that was pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. probably in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I was at Sydney Airport. And I remember, I can't remember texting or calling Anthony Freud saying, you know, what should I do? You know, there's a little to and fro, and they said you should come back immediately because they weren't quite sure what the borders, what were going to happen with the borders. We had rehearsals for Goethe Demerung the next week. I changed a couple of things around. And then, of course, another phone call came saying, well, actually, don't hurry back. We're going to have to cancel Goethe Demerung. Uh, so I remember thinking, should I stay in Australia? Should I come back? And I thought, well, no, I'll come back. You know, the chorus is still there. And who knows how long this will go on for. It's probably just a couple of months. And I remember coming back to Chicago. The airports were deserted because the borders between Europe had been closed. But mm-hmm. between Australia, obviously, still open. And... Uh, and the rest is history. It was a long haul. Enrique Mazzola officially became the music director for the Lyric Opera of Chicago during the COVID shutdown. So Macbeth will be his first production in that role. It's certainly made for a unique experience. Listen, I was conducting Meyerbeer's Le Prophète in Berlin. This was in February. Uh, oh my God, help me with the year. Uh, February of... Uh, of last year, yes, of 2020. Am I right? I'm not missing a year? Yes, I think so. And uh, mm, I was conducting uh, uh, this big um, opera, and uh, actually what happened uh, uh, after this is that uh, I went to Quebec because I had symphonic concert with Orchestre Symphonique du Québec. And uh, when I was in Quebec, I knew that uh, Deutsche Oper Berlin, where I conducted before, just closed. And when I left Quebec to go to Chicago, the day when I arrived in Chicago, I learned that the Orchestra Symphony to Quebec closed. So I really felt that somebody was chasing me. And uh, every place I was going, uh, they closed. And uh, uh, actually what happened is that, uh, again, uh, Lyric Opera of Chicago closed closed a few days after uh, I arrived. I was not there to conduct. I just went uh, to Chicago for other uh, things, 
and uh, then uh, one after the other all my engagements in opera houses symphonic orchestras and uh, summer festivals really literally disappeared everything was cancelled and there were there was this impression of emptiness of uh, silence in our arts uh, world which uh, led i would say all us artists to sort of uh, shock reaction uh, at the beginning and then this uh, marvelous beautiful unique reaction of uh, okay we cannot be silent we cannot uh, do nothing and uh, if you explore you know the blogs the social media the youtube of uh, uh, mostly every single artist in the world you see that uh, everybody organized home concerts or conversations or blogs or you know interviews uh, 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 homemade yes interviews sometimes sometimes very very simple which actually testify this uh, need of the artist to say something to explore something the impossibility to remain in silence which is actually i found extremely moving extremely uh, beautiful and in some way yes of course I uh, it was a very natural uh, reaction of Enrique Mazzola too yes so I remember I was in my country house in uh, in Tuscany in Montepulciano and uh, because my Verdi's Attila at the lyrics lyric opera of Chicago was cancelled I decided to open the score and to do a series of uh, 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 recordings video recordings in which i read the opera so this was my very first reaction to the cancellation of everything during pandemic like a lot of people enrique spent most of the shutdown in sort of a holding pattern hoping there would be good news eventually well it was very difficult to define what what were the temporal limits of uh, this because of course in uh, i remember that uh, in March of last year, I still hoped to do the summer festivals of last year. So, uh, and then there, there were small uh, waves of reopenings. For example, in September, October of last year, I conducted uh, Donizetti's Maria Stuarda in uh, Zurich. So there were some uh, openings uh, uh, according to the uh, local uh, uh, situations in different uh, um, nations in uh, Europe in, in the world so it's not that I did uh, completely uh, nothing well you know that uh, now in Europe they are speaking about the fourth wave yes so uh, waves also determines the worst moment and the best moment and the best moment is when I was able to conduct uh, uh, something even with uh, uh, heavy restrictions and of course in the worst moment uh, we had to stay uh, in lockdown uh, at home. Sandra Radvanowski is a world-renowned soprano who will ultimately play the part of Lady Macbeth in the production. Sandra lives in Canada, but she grew up in the Chicago area, and much like Michael Black and Enrique Mazzola, she also had to deal with finding a way to get back home as the world shut down. But then ultimately, she had to overcome her own bout with COVID. Well, I was here, actually. <laughs> uh, my very last... I'm going to call it real opera or fully staged opera or whatever terms we want to use for it, but was here with the Picadon. And that was March 1st was the last performance. 
And then we heard of this rumbling, you know, and watching the news. And I remember telling my husband end of February, you know, this thing is over in China. It's, I have a feeling it's going to be big (laughs) understatement of the century. Right. So we went to Brazil to sing a concert. It was supposed to be Friday the 13th, the concert of March. I know it was so, how the world closed down on Friday the 13th is just horrible. But, and I was warmed up, my hair and makeup done in my dress one hour before the show. And the presenter came in and said, go home. We're shutting down. The world is shutting down get on the next flight home and we're in Rio. So we got the very last two seats on the very last flight from Rio to Toronto. And unfortunately we caught COVID my husband and I in Rio. I mean, I was around 300 school children singing in front of Christ, the redeemer, the first time that children were allowed to sing in front of Christ, the redeemer, and each one of them hugged me and kissed me and gave me a high five. And I was teaching master classes all without masks. Um, yeah. And it was four weeks that we got it, but you know, my husband and I, we both said, no, oh, you know, a couple weeks, maybe two months, everything, it'll blow over. It's going to be just like the, a bad flu season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And here we are, uh, you know, in August of 2021, still wearing masks or actually wearing masks again. Again. Yeah. Well, depending upon where you've been, yeah, still wearing masks because in Canada, it's still mandated and, and over in Europe, most places it's still mandated, but yeah, it's, it's just been a, a vicious cycle. And I pray, I pray to God that, uh, this is not the rest of our lives. Michael Smallwood serves as the technical director for Lyric Opera Chicago. Michael may have heard about how serious the pandemic was going to be before most people because of his contacts in Europe. I'm a news junkie, so pretty early in the in the in the in the uh, in the campaign, I guess. Um, I think we at you know at Lyric, so we have a lot of relationships, especially in Europe, um, uh, including we had uh, West Side Story was over in Italy, which was being hit hard. Um, uh, for a rental that West Side Story we did here. Um, we, you know, so we were getting, seeing disruptions and some things happening in Europe, just like everybody was watching on the news and everything, but we were hearing about it from people we knew personally in a different way, I think. Then, um, so we were watching that closely. You know, we had a lot of artists coming in from Europe as well, especially for the rain cycle. Um, so we were, you know, I remember being gathered in this room with, st- like, uh, with leadership, just trying to figure out what our next step is, just like we're doing almost t- today. Still, is like we can look two weeks out, we can look a month out, we yeah. can't look any any sooner than that. So we heard, you know, we were being sort of an international company. We are, we were looking at it pretty closely, pretty early. Um, so, um, and that was, yeah, I think even early February, we were talking about it when when we all thought washing your hands could save the day still. (laughs) There are a couple points that stand out to Michael that indicated the pandemic was going to be a problem that stuck with all of us for a while. Well, I think there was a couple distinctive moments in that. Um, One, obviously, was the day on stage when we gathered to cancel the ring cycle. That's something I had worked on for almost seven years. Um, So that was a 
big deal to me. We knew that was the immediate thing that was happening in the rehearsals and the shows, obviously. So that needed to be canceled. Um, but pretty quickly after that, we we needed we already had in place sort of some distinctive deadlines for canceling other events and other shows. One of the first, the other one was the musical. And then after that, actually back in like as soon as you got into May and June, you actually get into dates we have to start canceling other things for fall um, because of shipping or building um, both costumes and set um, issues. Like if we don't start, if we don't permit it to go by this time, we will not get it here in time for our season the next in the fall. Um, So pretty early on, it kind of became pretty clear that it was going to be a little longer than we all thought. Um, I, I don't think we had quite all thought this long, but um, I think it very quickly went from, oh, we're canceling March to we're canceling at least to the end of the year. So, um, yeah. and I think that um, once we canceled the musical, that that really sort of, I think, hit at least the production side of things because it was really just a domino effect after that. Maureen Riley is the costume director for Lyric Opera of Chicago. Like a lot of us, Maureen was so busy with work that she barely even noticed COVID at the beginning of the pandemic. She was a co-worker for ultimately being somewhat prepared when the shutdown actually happened. We were so busy here. We were trying to get the ring cycle going. We were working on 42nd Street. And so I was just consumed with work. And my colleague, Lucy, who is um, American but from Poland, she kept on telling me about what her friends were writing her and sending her little clips and clips of empty streets in China and stuff. And I thought she was being an alarmist. And so on March 12th, she said, it's serious. It is bad. And um, I never bought groceries because I was never home. So that night after work, I went to the grocery store and just bought all these staples that I usually don't have just because she kept telling me for like two weeks that this was going to happen. And the next day at two o'clock, the Lyric Opera had to close its doors. So I was really glad that I had listened to her. And, and, And I really think that like, I wasn't sure about what the severity of it was. Mm-hmm. until the governor put us on lockdown and I would go outside and my streets were empty and there was no there were no cars there were no people out walking and it was eerie As bad and unending as the COVID pandemic has been, the shutdown has also presented some creative opportunities that otherwise would not have existed. Zoom isn't just for boring virtual office meetings anymore. For Enrique Mazzola, there was an opportunity to expose a whole new audience to the work of the Lyric Opera of Chicago. I think, well, but this is, this is me in general, yes? I, I try to be positive in every uh, situation. And the, Actually, if you think, uh, it's uh, maybe sometimes sad to say this, but you, you have to find the positive also in the, in the worst uh, situation. So um, actually, I try to do my best uh, also in the lockdown uh, periods. I try to create uh, uh, new 
streaming events for Lyric Opera of Chicago, for example, that uh, were, were uh, broadcasted in, the, in YouTube or in uh, our website in February, in March, in April. So I tried to, to do something alive, uh, funny, uh, uh, beautiful, even uh, when we were in the most uh, difficult uh, period. What uh, I learned, what we all learned, is that the, uh, we are still in debt with all the media possibilities, and we learn that we have to use the media possibilities. Just a, a small example, uh, a, a beautiful uh, piano recitals with a, a young artist of the Ryan Opera Center, um, uh, which if we would have done live, probably would have touched two or three thousand people. Once in YouTube actually reached uh, 30, 40, 60,000 people. So this is the magic of the medias, yes, that you can uh, uh, arrive to a really enlarged uh, audience. And this is something uh, magic that we have learned to use and that now we have really to master. It's, a, it's something that we have to uh, use in the, in the right quantities, yes? Of course, we all want to go back to the live performance. Live performance is something magic. You feel the breath of the, of the audience behind me. I'm the conductor, yes? And the electricity of the artists in front of me on stage, the orchestra, the chorus, the singers. So this is the magic of the live. But uh, of course... Uh, when we record something, when we film something, we can really arrive everywhere in the world. We touch it. We touch really different numbers, and uh, this is a big uh, positive. Using your question, yes, a big positive experience that we have to be able to remember for the future and use and use in, in a beautiful, uh, balanced way. Eventually, the Lyric Opera was able to adapt to the challenging COVID environment and come back together to create some content online. It just didn't have the same excitement as a live performance with an audience, but it would fill the gap for a while. The season that was lost so far as live performances were concerned was anything other than a dark season. It was a radically reimagined season, but it was a season full of, of activity, um, but both artistic activity with um, a whole huge range of, of virtual productions that, that I must say were very successful. We, we reached through our virtual programming a quarter of a million people, 50% um, of whom were international. So we really successfully broadened our audience reach dramatically. Um, we, we were incredibly busy off stage and out of sight too, because inevitably having to deal with the um, unprecedented level of turbulence and and the vacuum of uncertainty that came with the pandemic um we we needed to get good at reinventing ourselves at pivoting at learning um but i must say may 19th of, of 2021 when we were finally able to announce that we would be returning to the opera house for our new season um, opening with our new production of Macbeth, um, inaugurating the tenure of our new music director, Enrique Mazzola, welcoming the, the Joffrey Ballet into the Opera House as our resident ballet company. Um, 
That was a momentous moment. Ben Bell Byrne is the manager of the rehearsal department at Lyric Opera of Chicago. It's a pretty complex job that we'll get into in a later episode. Ben tried to make the most of the added time with his family during the shutdown. My wife was pregnant when the pandemic struck. Mm -hmm. And before it struck, we had grand plans to return to Santa Fe and have a baby in Santa Fe. And that didn't happen because the Santa Fe Opera, like virtually every other arts organization in the world, shut down that summer. And so we didn't go there. And instead, we um, were here in Chicago. And I, I say this a lot, even though it came and has come at a great cost to society, the time and space that I had as a result of not working was a huge blessing because I could, you know, paint a dresser and uh, get a baby room ready and then spend lots of time with my wife and my daughter uh, when she was born. And so it was a huge blessing in disguise. Um, and I think that's on top of the blessing of just sort of slowing down and being able to gauge where I was, mm -hmm. we were, where society is, was. Um, in fact, I, I really wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, and I, it's a super privileged thing to say because even though I was out of work for six months, it was it, we were able to make that that work. And so just having that time and that space to be, to learn how to be a dad was incredible. And I, I'm grateful for that time, not the way that it came to be, I suppose. Chorus member Suzanne Kostowski also had an addition to her family during the shutdown. I remember reading about it in November when it was first, like really, really, really early, just starting to, um, and I was actually pregnant. I had my second child in late December of 2019. And so it was interesting because nothing, you know, I'm actually really grateful because nothing, had, it wasn't huge here over here. So like my husband could be there and I had people who could visit the hospital and everything. So I actually ended my season here earlier that year because I had a baby. And so I remember hearing about it, you know, pretty early on, but I was kind of like in baby mode. <laughs> wasn't really thinking about it. So, um, I was already sort of hunkered down because when you have a newborn, you don't really leave the house anyway, especially in, you know, it was winter. Okay. So like, what am I going to do? Take the baby around the walk, you know, block for a walk in, you know, zero degree weather. Not going to do that. So we were sort of already quarantined and then it was like, well, okay then. No matter how busy the people at Lyric Opera of Chicago stayed producing virtual content during the pandemic, everyone is anxious to get back out on stage in front of a live audience. Just this afternoon, we, the Rhine Opera Center Ensemble gave a, a, a scenes performance on stage in the Opera House to a small invited audience, but it was literally the first time we have made live music to an audience in the Opera House in the last 16 months. We've done a lot else in the mm -hmm. Opera House. We've been making music constantly, not least a few weeks ago. We, we had the chorus, the orchestra, cast of principals, Enrique conducting, um, uh, filming Pagliacci, um, the complete opera, but there was no audience. Hmm. And, and just chatting with the artists now, um, the, the, the sheer thrill of returning to the Opera House to make music and performing to 
today was a very small audience, but the prospect of performing to a big audience is just overwhelmingly joyful, I have to say. Even now, COVID is constantly changing the rules of the game. When I conducted the first interviews on June 29th, the city of Chicago had just reached phase five in their reopening plan, and it looked like life was almost 100% normal if you were vaccinated. By the time we got to the last interview, just before the opening of Macbeth on September 17th, the Delta variant was sweeping through the country and masks were back to being the norm indoors. There are still some post-pandemic hurdles to work our way through, not, not least the U.S. travel ban mm -hmm. remains in place. And we're really hoping that um, that will change between now and the time our international artists have to come to the U.S. because um, obtaining national interest exceptions for them is a big challenge, frankly. Um, the, the, the whole machinery of, of visas and work permits has slowed down considerably. Yeah. And, and so, you, you know, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet, but um, we're making huge progress. Macbeth would be Lyric Opera's chance to return to something close to normal. Putting on a production like this is a massive undertaking even during good times, with somewhere around 300 people playing a role in creating it. That's the story I was interested in telling even before COVID hit the pause button on everyone's life. And that's the story I'll be telling the rest of the season on Bringing Up the Lights. Even when I was in high school, um, I used to play piano. And because I played piano, I couldn't join the band or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I always accompanied singers um, in my church. I was always accompanying the choir. Um, it's always been geared towards singers. Uh, right from the very start. When I was about five years old, um, my mom bought me a record player, Karen Carpenter's, The Carpenters, The Greatest Hits. And I started to sing along with it. And then I started harmonizing with it. And my mom thought, a five-year-old singing along with Karen Carpenter. Uh, this girl has some gift. It's actually really funny. I, um, when I was eight years old, I auditioned at the Met Opera um, for the children's chorus. So I started there when I was eight. <laughs> so I've been doing this. I just turned 37 this week. So literally been doing this for 29 years. Uh, I was really a, a kid uh, because uh, I had uh, the chance of uh, enter in the... Teatro La Scala in Milano, uh, children chorus. So when I was seven, I had, uh, let's say, my first uh, theater experience, but not, you understand, from the audience side, but from exactly from the stage side. Bringing Up the Lights is an original series from Sound Concept Media. It's written and narrated by Keith Conrad. You've heard selections from Lyric Opera of Chicago's previous production of Macbeth from 2010 and original music from John Benedict. I also had help putting the podcast together from Mari Moroz of the Lyric Opera of Chicago and Elizabeth Newkirk with the Silverman Group.